0: Welcome to the Odessa First Assembly Podcast. I'm Tony, the Digital Ministry Manager here at OFA, and I'm excited to be with you today for our sermon series, Healing. This series is all about experiencing wholeness and restoration in our lives through the healing power of God's grace. We'll be hearing from our lead pastor, Todd Starnes, his wife, Pastor Angela Starnes, and myself as we explore topics such as, does God still heal, maintaining a healthy spirit and body, and persevering in faith during times of struggle. We believe that God wants to bring healing to every area of our lives, and we're excited to see what he has in store for us through this series. So join us as we dive into scripture and discover how God's love and compassion can transform our lives and communities. Without further ado, here's today's message from our sermon series, Healer. <laughs> anyway, so Hebrews chapter
1: 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's look at these. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, for by the one offering he forever made perfect those who who are being made holy. For that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. Now look at 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. Aren't those awesome verses? Father, we come to you very quickly. We've had a lot of prayer, a lot of, lot of elements. But Father, I pray these next few moments, our hearts be open to receive your word, Lord. And you would challenge us, you would confront us, you would exhort us, encourage us. But above it all, Lord, don't let us leave here the same. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to some very imperfect people. I mean, we think about the cross and we think about the price that, you know, and I, 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 I tend to be a, a little facetious sometimes. I, you know, I, it seems that uh, our culture has made um, crosses more of a decoration than really what it stands for. And I, just a conversation recently, you know, I just don't prefer crosses as a decoration because I believe, I, I don't necessarily think that it, it's what Christ did on the cross that gives the cross its power and its meaning. But the cross is sig- significant. It is significant. And here, so we have this a, a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person in Jesus to some very imperfect people. And if you haven't been here a while, there's a belief that we have that we're the perfect church for imperfect people. And so think about this. A perfect God instituted a perfect plan for imperfect people. God had this plan from the very beginning. I mean, when Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, <clears throat> when Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, God was not taken by surprise. He was not like, oh, no. Eve, it's, it was her fault anyway, that deceived Adam, and, and partook of this fruit... What am I going? I don't know what I'm going to do. No, our God is sovereign. Our God is a so, sovereign in His reign. It is not taking by surprise. Our God is all knowing, and He had a plan that was put in place in what we read in the first of Genesis. And so, what I want to remind you of this morning, very quickly, is that God is perfect. i, this is I know this is going to be like deep theology for us this morning. But God is perfect. God is complete. There is is nothing like him in the universe. The Bible tells in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 4, he is a rock, his deeds are perfect. I I wish I had time to go through and look and and take you through a, a, a travel through scripture that shows you everywhere that it says something about the perfection of God. We don't have that time, but here's one example. His deeds are perfect. Everything he does is just and fair. He is a faithful God who does no wrong, how just and upright as he that he is. Our God is perfect. And I know I've said this all the time. I mean, Scripture, yes, it does tell us one example is that God is love. It doesn't say that God is full of love. It doesn't say that God has love. It says that God is love. And when you take all the attributes of God, all the personality characteristics of God of his love, of his justice, of his forgiveness, of his omniscience, of his omnipotence. He he is all of those. It's not like he's some of some and some of another. He is all of that and because he's all of that it makes him perfect. Are you tracking with me? Are we all, are we on the same train? And so God is perfect. But here's another truth. We are not perfect. We are not perfect. I know, I know I've said this so many times, but I, there is not a person here that there was a star over your manger when you were born. I mean, I, you know, when, whenever a birth happens, I mean, yeah, I mean, we look at that child looks perfect. He, you know, uh, but uh, listen, what we're going to find out in just a few moments is that we are all born with a disease, and that disease is sin. No matter how cute we looked, I was, you know, I actually, I think most newborns, they really don't look that cute. You got got to give them a couple of months, but except for me, I was a cute baby. I was a cute baby, but we are not perfect. Romans 3 23 for everyone has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. I mean, if I were to have a tape measure, some measurement, I mean, if I stretch that out if and even if we thought we were making ground, we would never measure up. We fall short because we are not perfect, and God is perfect. In the field of medicine, if a doctor can't diagnose a, a, a condition, he can't bring a cure. The diagnosis of the human problem is really of supreme importance. That matters more than any other diagnosis. The Bible's diagnosis for the human problem is sin, and we are all born in sin. There is sin that, uh, w- w- and because of sin, because of what happened in the garden, the world lives in a fallen state of sin, and we are born into sin. Romans 5, 12, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. I should say when Adam and Eve sinned, but I don't mean to correct scripture. Sorry. I'm being a little facetious. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world, Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone as sinned. And I know we always have that age-old question of why do bad things happen to good people? And, and when we look at the condition of the world of disease and sickness and, and, and premature death, listen, the reality is we live in a fallen world, and the impact of that fallen world impacts us. And then we also have this sin nature on the inside of us that we have to contend with. Through birth, we inherit an a tainted nature in need of regeneration, in need of renewal. I mean, inside of us is this nature to choose a sinful conduct. Sure. Right? Amen. Are, are y'all different than me? Are y'all, do y'all live on another planet? Romans 5, 19, because one person disobeyed God, which is Adam, and became sinners, but look at what it says, but because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. And so there's all kinds of, the main problem is sin, but there really is, a, for lack of, to put it up another way, there is a fruit to sin. And that fruit to sin is hurt, it's pain, it's brokenness, it's shame, it's rejection, it's mourning, it's heaviness, it's tragedy, it's addiction, it's sickness, it's death, it's racism, it's abuse. I mean, all of that results because of sin. And at least I'll remind you that sinners sin. I know that's mind-blowing, right? I mean... That that sinful people act like sinners. But here's the reality that God has provided a remedy. And that remedy is the cross. The remedy is the cross. The death of Jesus on the cross was ordained by God. That plan that was put in motion in Genesis... And came to fruition what we see at the end of the Gospels. That was the divine ordained plan of God. I mean, Jesus as priest offered himself on behalf of the whole human race. I love what Peter on the day of Pentecost, right? And so we're so there's the death, his death, his resurrection. There's his time on earth, then he ascends, and then they're waiting in the upper room the day of Pentecost. They receive the baptism, and then Peter goes out and preaches. And this is just one verse from Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. But God knew what would happen. God knew what would happen. I just want to pause a second. This is not in my notes. But I I want you to know that in your life, there's nothing that has happened that has taken God by surprise. There's nothing that has happened that has taken God by surprise. And I would dare say that everyone in this room, the state of the fallen world, has impacted you personally in some way. And I'll tell you again, when that happened, whatever that was, It didn't surprise God. God knows the diagnosis. God knows the hurt. God knows. And and then it it brings like, you know, these people want to debate and say, well, if God is all loving, then why does he allow this to happen? And that's really not the right question because we have to realize is that we all live in a fallen world. Because of what Adam and Eve decided for us in the book of Genesis. And so that touches us all somehow, some way. But God had a plan. And God has a plan for you. And it is not a, you know, people may criticize us or say that we're using a crutch and and say all kinds of negative things. But listen to me, church. Listen to me. Every single valley that I've gone through, every single difficulty I've gone through, every single desert that I have gone through, I want you to know that I've seen God be faithful. It may not always turn out the way that I thought it should turn out, but I know that God is sovereign. And in his sovereign plan, he has plans that are higher than what I can think about or dream about. And no, we may not understand why not every person is, is raised from the dead or every person has a miraculous healing, but we need to depend and know and have faith that God is sovereign in his plan. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Uh, you know, when we were, you know, the first week, I, I talked I, just briefly so many miracles that we had seen and, and just through the years and talked about testimonies and you've heard others. But I, for some reason, this one just kept popping in my head. And um, we were at a church, and we were preaching. It was up in the it was it was in Fritch, Texas, is where it was. And we were preaching, and man, God did a wonderful work that day. But there was a a family there, and this family um, uh, uh, a family member had had passed away in Afghanistan, and it was a service member, and uh, and so. Anyway, uh, you know, I'd preach about, you know, people being raised from the dead and all in which I do believe. I, I know that there, there are churches in our city that will tell you that God can't do that. And I'm going to tell you whether you see it or not, God is true to his word. And if God says it can happen or will happen, it will. And so, you know, she really took me off guard, but she came forward, you know, telling me the whole story. And I was like, listen, I don't know what God will do. But one thing I do know is that we can pray. I'm not saying you that it's going to happen or not going to happen, but I know that God said it happened, and so we can pray for it to happen. And so we prayed and prayed and prayed for her. And and so the next week, it, it, the the past, they're, they're having the service, and the pastor calls me mad, so mad. He was so mad at me. He's like, "Did you tell her that God was going to raise her for, raise this boy from the dead?" I said, "No, I didn't." I said, "We're going to pray and and." We're going to depend on God. What, what God wants to do, and uh, I mean, she had held up the funeral. She had held up the service, and and uh, listen, I'm gonna uh, with the reason I'm sharing all this with you. Listen, I believe that we can believe for things that a lot of people can't believe for. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in us. But I'm also going to tell you that we can do it in a way. That doesn't make us... Now some, Now, listen to me. I want to qualify this statement. I think sometimes God does ask us to do things that looks weird to people around us, but we need to be obedient. I, I believe that. I, I think sometimes God, he's, he's stretching us, and he's molding us, and, and he may ask us to do something that we have to walk in obedience that the people around us don't understand. But I'm going to also gonna tell you this, that I think that when even we believe for the, the miracle of miracles... We can do it in a way that doesn't bring a whole lot. The people are going to criticize us anyway. Let's not give them more ammunition. Is that okay? I think I said that in a very good way. This off the cuff, even. That you know, there's a lot of people that do a lot of things, and you're just like, okay, they're just being really, really weird. Now, just our belief in God. Some people think we're weird just for that, but listen to me. Believe, pray for the sick, man. Uh, pray over people in caskets. I, there, I'm not saying don't do it, but I am saying, listen, exercise some wisdom, exercise some wisdom. And so here's Peter preaching and about once again, and he, he's that, that God knew what would happen. And prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was portrayed. I mean, I want you to process that just for a moment that What happened was all part of God's plan. Jesus' betrayal was part of God's divine plan. Yeah, Palm Sunday, here comes Jesus in, you know, King of Kings, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, King of, you know, all this celebration. Just a few days later, he's been crucified. The Jews are shouting out, crucify him. All of this part of God's perfect plan. Sometimes I believe that we give, we, we think that too much rides in the hands of others about our destiny. I'm gonna let that sink in just for a minute. Did you, did you catch what I said? You see, God had all this set up. He had it set up that he was going to be received with celebration and come on Thursday night, Friday morning, come to a place of rejection by the same people. And God said, I'm using these people to carry out my plan. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 verse 10, but it was the Lord's good, everybody say good, The Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Have you ever processed the? Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, we'll have many descendants. Amen. He will enjoy a long life. The lamb's good plan will prosper in his hands. But think about it. The Lord's good plan was to crush him. For all the evil in the crucifixion, it brought about an infinite good. Here is the most evil act ever perpetrated by sinful hearts. I want you to process that statement just for a moment. Jesus was sinless. Jesus is, was, was, is perfect. Now there's been many people that have been killed by tragic means but there's only one that was perfect. There's only one that was perfect. The sinless Son of God, a holy, the Holy God Himself, human flesh, was unjustly killed after being subjected to horrific torture that could only be devised by wicked men. The, it was all evil upon evil. The worst deed of human depravity could ever devise. The most vile evil thing that could ever be done committed. The stripes upon his back. The crown of thorns upon his head. And yet it all came for the greatest good of all time by the plan set forth by the Father. And do you know why that God set forth that plan? For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that I gave my one and only son that whoever would ever believe in him would have everlasting life. So the cross is the ultimate proof of the sovereignty of God. And just for any naysayers, maybe online, I, I doubt there's any in this room. But just so you know, there is a historical record of the crucifixion of Christ. His purposes are always fulfilled in spite of evil intentions of the enemy. I really want that to sink in. His purposes are always fulfilled despite of the evil intentions of the enemy. God even works his righteousness through the evil acts of unrighteous people. I mean, this is what we see played out in Passion Week. And Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Listen to me. If you are fully and wholly submitted to the Lord, it doesn't matter what the enemy or evil does to you. Romans five eighteen, verse. Y'all got really quiet. Are y'all okay? I think I'm preaching a little better than what I'm Romans five eighteen. Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone. Once again, thank you, Adam. You know, for the first few millennia in heaven, they may have to put Adam in a special room for the rest from the rest of us. But Christ one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners, but because one person obeyed, many will be made righteous. I love it. I want to give you some encouragement about how to live in the shadow of the cross, how to live in the purpose of the cross. It's really quick. One, don't stay where you are. Don't stay where you are. We, our saying around here is, is that, it, you know, safe people serve, but, but growing people change. If God is doing a work inside of you, there's going to be change in your life. You're going to transition out from that old life of who you were Matter of fact, Ephesians and Colossians talks about taking off those old clothes and we're going to put on some new clothes because we're new creations in Christ. And so there's a shift and a change that happens inside of us. Don't stay where you are. Listen, this is really important. Learn to forgive yourself. I, I think one, the thing, one of the ch- bondages the enemy holds us back in our growth is that we, we experience a powerful forgiveness from the Lord, but we have such a difficult time letting go our mistakes. Not God letting go, but us letting go. Learn to forgive yourself. I mean, if God has forgiven you of it all, even though you have been instantly made holy, it's still a process. Listen, because we come to the cross, because this power and bondage of sin has broken our life because of the sacrifice on the cross, listen, it's still a process. Don't give up on the process. What God began in you, the good work that God began in you, he'll complete it. I mean, what he begins in you now, the Bible says he's going to work on you until the day of the blessed hope. I mean, we sang about it this morning. Is that until when the dead in Christ rise first, and then those of us that remain are caught up, that moment of the rapture, Jesus says, that work I begin in you will keep going until the day that the angel shouts. Amen. And the last thing is a surrender completely. But here's what I want to close with. Is that all evil came on Jesus. If there if there is a theology of the cross, if there was a theology of how salvation and healing work in your life, this is, the, this is a sentence that sums that up. All the evil came on Jesus so that all good might be available to us. All evil came on Jesus so that all good might be available to us. And I want to close with this verse. I'm not going to have time to really just go into it like I wanted, but we're going to wrap it up with this passage. It says, Yet, it's Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Yet it was our weaknesses that he carried, it was our sorrows that weighed him down really quick about those two words, weaknesses and sorrows. When you look at the Hebrew of those words, weakness and sorrow, weakness could also be translated sicknesses, affliction, disease, grief, and illness. So process that a moment. It was our weakness. It was our sickness. It was our Affliction. It was our grief. It was our will illness. It was our hurt that He carried that day on that road when He carried that cross to the place of the skull. And then it says, it was our sorrows that weighed him down. Think about this. It was our weakness and it was our sorrows that he carried. That means pain. That word sorrow, it means pain. And it means both pain emotionally and physically. So are you following me this morning? So on that cross, what weighed him down, what he carried is your disease, your sickness, your sin, your broken heart, your pain, your illness, your rejection. That's what he carried on that cross. But it says we were pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. So listen, I, the reason I started so heavily about the power of sin and the nature of sin is I believe with all of my heart, I, I think it's one of the greatest miracles that's happened is somebody coming out of a life of death into life. is realizing, yes, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world and we have been born into sin but because of the power of the cross, that sin nature inside of us has been shattered. It has been broken. And I know through the decades and years, we, 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 we have this saying that we talk about all the time. Well, I'm just a, a sinner saved by grace. See, I don't believe that. I believe that when we have that nature broken on the inside of us, That is what I were, but what I am now is a saint. You see, I I were a lawbreaker and a sinner, but that nature inside of me has been destroyed because I've accepted a sacrifice upon that cross. I'm glad some of you are with me. And I'm gonna tell you right now that There's some in this room that I think you still hold on the regret of all the past mistakes. And you feel like no matter how far you run, there's stuff that happens that just triggers those memories. And you go through this this battle all over again of this rejection and this hurt and, 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 and just the junk you've been through in life. And I want you to know today you don't have to live like that anymore. That the facts of what happened to you in the past may never change, but God can heal the memory of it. That God can set you free from it. That if you feel that you're a broken hearted, that God is one that binds up the broken heart because he paid for it on the cross. If you are here this morning and you are sick in body physically, you are sick in your heart emotionally, if you are beat up in your spirit, that on the cross he paid for it all for you to be redeemed and healed and saved and delivered. That's the power. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of the cross. I wanna ask you to stand this morning if you would. I said, what God's, He's no respecter of person. And yeah, sometimes there are practical things. Yeah, we want to, you know, I was thinking earlier as we just celebrated communion. I remember when we were just so many people we've believed for healing for, you know, because of what the blood, what the juice and that bread represent, the body of Jesus, that forgiveness of sin, and his remember those promises are yes and amen in Jesus. That broken body that he suffered for us, that was to make us whole. And I know many, you know, when they're facing diseases and sicknesses, you know, they they begin to practice taking communion. I'm going to tell you, I mean, they're out now. If if that, if you, you don't have to wait for the second Sunday in a month to celebrate communion. Our communion elements are completely available to you. If you want to take some home, and celebrate with friends and family if you're believing for something. And if we run out, just let me know and I'll get you some more. But that represents that promise that we have in Jesus, but whatever you're facing, I'm gonna guarantee you that someplace, some point, sometime, somewhere in the world, God has healed it. You know why? Because the word tells us that he has, that he's healed every disease. And every sickness. So if you're facing something, going through something, you're not going through something that God hasn't ever seen before. And he has enough power for you. I was thinking about Mark chapter 5 or 10. I don't want to get too deep in this this morning. But it's one of my favorite stories of, of someone getting healed. And it's Mark chapter 10 verse 40. It's blind Bartimaeus. And originally when I was thinking about this sermon that was kind of going to be my text at the beginning of the sermon but we read about blind Bartimaeus and you know the we see that blind Bartimaeus he, he heard about these there's all kinds of things there's nuances we could draw out and 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 pick from but here's this blind man and he hears Jesus coming and he begins to call out and what are the what did the crowd do when he called out? Yeah, shh. Be quiet, man. I mean, there, the, those, those around him were, were trying to hush him, and the scripture says he called out all the more. Listen, there's a lot of churches, a lot of people in our culture, a lot of society that is saying that God doesn't do it today. He does. Don't let them diminish your faith. Don't let anybody, you know, when you tell somebody something that you're believing God for, and they act in some kind of shock, like, really, you think God's going to do that? You know what? Man, put aside the naysayers. I mean, sometimes you're going to have to travel that road alone. And you're going to have to stand up and shout all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Don't let the circumstance quiet your faith. Don't let the naysayer quiet your faith. I'm preaching good this morning, and I need a little bit of help. Don't don't let people determine your end let God determine it. You put yourself in his hands and his power and his promises. I know what doctors may say sometimes. And I believe with all of my heart that God has given us a very smart medical field. And, and I don't think it's a lack of faith to go get treated for something. Listen, if you're sick, go to the doctor. We're not, we're not one of those kind of people. I know there's people that have real issues with that. Listen, to me, it's on a lack of faith to go to the doctor to get diagnosed. Because if there's one thing that Bartimaeus knew, is Bartimaeus knew he was blind. And sometimes we get afraid if we acknowledge the fact that it's some confession of lack of faith. But I'm going to tell you, God is in the business of changing facts. That's who He is. And to try to ignore that you've got some sickness or disease in your body, I don't think, I, 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 I don't think it's some super faith that, uh, yeah, I know we don't want to hear those, that cancer, I know that we don't want to hear diabetes, I know that we don't, want but listen, the doctor may say it, but God has the final say. And yes, I believe that God can, I mean, God can heal you through a (laughs) Z-pack. He can. And you might have to face a surgery. God can do it. Who's given that knowledge? It's the Lord. But I also believe many times when we pray, it's like, Lord, I know that you can use a surgeon's hand. But I know your hand's Stronger. Lord, you may use this round of chemo, but I know you're the great physician. (laughs) And so he called out all the... And then when Jesus asked him, he said, I mean, I really believe. I I do. I I know I'm reading into this, and so you'll have to forgive me. But, you know, blind, blind Bartimaeus caught Jesus' attention. I mean, think about it. That, I mean, we're so afraid to acknowledge that. But that was Bartimaeus' identity. And Jesus looks at him and says, what do you want me to do for you? I believe that Bartimaeus could have requested anything. I really do. I really think in that moment, he got the Lord's attention. I mean, the Lord's looking straight at him, and he says, what, what do you want me to do for you? I, I, man, I mean, he could, I, I think he could ask for a million denarii, whatever, dollars. And I, I mean, I, I kind of believe that God would have done it for him, that Jesus would have done it for him. I really do. But Bartimaeus was authentic in his need. Do you hear me? I mean, he got real with himself, and he knew, he's like, there, there's no one else that can do this for me. Jesus, I need my sight. And in that moment, we see that Jesus healed him and so then you know that crowd's like you know when Jesus turns his attention to him they're like oh Bartimaeus we're your best friend you know they escort him to Jesus cheer up cheer up Bartimaeus Jesus is calling you verse 50 Bartimaeus threw aside his coat and jumped up and came to Jesus sometimes you have to abandon everything else you've been depending on and say okay God It's just you and me. It's just you and me. Now Rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. And immediately the man could see. Jesus still does that. Jesus still heals. Jesus can heal anything. And Jesus can heal you. Would you stand this morning with me?
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Odessa First Assembly podcast. If you've enjoyed today's message, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media for updates and inspirational content throughout the week. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Odessa First AG. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our Sunday morning services at 10.30 a.m. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Odessa First Assembly podcast.